What's up, guys? It is Thursday, September 2nd, episode 172. Today, I have Mary Spio, CEO of Seek, a live streaming platform for artists and athletes to connect with their fans through VR and blockchain. Also, a friendly reminder to subscribe to the Blockhash Insider newsletter. It's only $250 a month, and you get unique market insights and breakdowns on the industry. The link is in the description below. So with that said, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain, Seek, and Mary Spio. Enjoy. All right, Mary, welcome to the Blockhash Podcast Live. How are you doing? Wonderful, wonderful. Great to be here, Brendan. Great to have you. Where are you based? Where are you from? I'm actually from New York, but right now as we speak, I'm in Chicago. Um, but our offices, we started in Miami Beach. And uh, so we're like Miami, Chicago, New York, London. Yeah, virtual. Gotcha. Yep. So you're traveling right now? I'm traveling right now. I'm in Chicago as we speak. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So are you guys mostly based in Chicago or out of Miami or... We're uh, mainly based in Chicago, Miami, and then we do a lot of, because we're um, entertainment metaverse type, we do a lot of work in Los Angeles as well. So we have uh, a lot of our team in LA as well. Okay, perfect. So yeah, all over the place, huh? All over the place, yeah. Cool. Um, awesome. So tell me a little bit more about about you and your background. Like, how did you, you know, um, want to be in, in crypto and blockchain? How did you, you know, get to where you are with Seek? Um, give me a little bit of that. Absolutely. So in terms of my background, I actually started out as a, a deep space engineer. So building satellites, oh, launching cool. satellites, um, all that good stuff. But I always loved the application side of things, you know, so um, I saw things like Sirius Radio come out of satellite. So I wanted to do more with satellite. So um, I, you know, got a job with the Boeing company focusing on um, creating technology for entertainment digital cinema, which was the first technology that we launched. I launched with Boeing. I actually had patents that I sold to Boeing, four of them, uh, created a digital cinema technology, which is used by Lucasfilms and everybody else. So that kind of got me into content distribution. I really loved it because for me, it was an opportunity to help independent filmmakers be able to distribute their content. Because with the digital distribution, you were looking at, let's say 300K for a worldwide distribution to 150,000 screens versus spending like $30 million. So that's kind of how I got started. And then I went further and further, you know, from satellite to mobile to VR, because it's been a quest to create uh, a more effective and transparent means for people to just distribute their content. Yeah. What patents did you have before? Um, so I, uh, the patents that I sold to Boeing specifically, one is the real-time distribution of cinema grade content. So it was like real time streaming of movies. So that's, mm -hmm the patent, one of the main patents that I sold to them. There was also demographic targeting, there was alternate endings. Um, and then there is also a very technical one, which is a bandwidth efficient, you know, modulation scheme. So it's a, it's a way to actually modulate the uh, content so that it's more effective when you distribute it over, you know, a satellite, which has very fixed bandwidth. Okay, got it, got it. So you worked with, uh, you sold those to who again, Boeing? The Boeing company, yeah. Okay, got it. 
Cool. So you got like an interesting background, very diverse. Yeah. Um, and then, so what, what is Seek exactly? Um, you got, you wanted to do something more with satellite. You want to do something more with like live streaming and things like that. Um, so what's the idea behind Seek? So the idea behind Seek, you know, so from, from satellite streaming, I knew that it was not as efficient or cost effective. So I created an online video platform. And then um, as I tried on virtual reality, the idea for Seek came because I was working with a lot of radio stations. I'm a huge music fan at the same time. I tried to go to an Adele concert. She only had 100,000 tickets. 10 million people tried to watch it. I said, wow, wouldn't it be great if we could put all 10 million people in a virtual then capacity that doesn't have any limitations. And then Seek was born, you know, so I say Seek was created to sell tickets to those 9.9 million people that, you know, were not able to attend that Adele concert, but it goes beyond that. Um, you know, it's really to sell tickets to the 99% of, you know, music fans, of live event fans that are not able to attend events. So we are a streaming platform for virtual events and experiences. Currently, we have some of the biggest names from Lady Gaga. We've done stuff with Katy Perry, U2, and the list goes on. Um, and then a lot of sports teams also distribute their content on there. So this was pre-COVID. And then, of course, with COVID, it became more of a default way for people to distribute content. Yeah. So are you guys leveraging uh, VR to make that happen, to get people to yes. have like that in-person almost experience? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the uniqueness about what we do is that we're not only streaming to smart TVs and standard traditional 2D streaming, but we're also... Uh, streaming the same content to virtual reality headsets. So our own VR headset, as well as to all the leading ones, Oculus, HTC, and the list goes on. Okay, got it. Yeah, and you mentioned sports too. Um, is that like another area you really want to branch out into other than just music or are there other areas besides music and sports? Um, I know there's a lot of different, you know, things in terms of events and venues where, you know, people can't get in because of tickets and it's limited and they might want to attend virtually. Absolutely. So while we started with music as our core, there's been a lot of demand for sports, especially international sports. And we've done quite a few live streaming of uh, sports games, you know, directly from different countries, from India, from Ghana, from all over, from Bolivia, um, directly to people's VR headsets, directly to, um, you know, our online, to their online audiences that are cannot get those games unless they're in those local markets. Um, and then we've even had stuff like celebrity sports camps with Dwayne Wade and CJ McCollum and, you know, basketball, different basketball players that have created their sports camps digitally on the platform. And then there's a big need for training and education and conferences. So really it's, it's a vehicle for people to do anything that, you know, they could do in the real world uh, that they could no longer do because of whether it's capacity limitations or people just not wanting to go out, they can just do it on Seek and in VR. Got it. So it's kind of for creators too um, that are in the music industry, that are in, in the sports industry, um, that, that want to have, I guess, a bit of a voice and, and do something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Got it. Um, regarding like blockchain, how do you guys leverage that or how are you planning to leverage that? Because I'm not sure. Um, do you use it already or is it something that you want to implement more? Oh, we're definitely using it already. So even okay. with, the, uh, with the virtual environment, we have these tokens that were in there because when you have the VR headset on, it's much easier if you have tokens that you've purchased ahead of time and then you get to different places and you can just, you know, 
gaze on something and then it automatically deducts from that token. But the way we're using the blockchain, the reason we decided to put it on, uh, to put the whole platform, the metaverse on the platform, uh, on the blockchain is because most content creators, especially with music, with sports and with event streaming, virtual tickets, the biggest concern that people have is being able to have transparency around how many tickets have been sold. So for most artists, whether they're on YouTube or they're on, you know, no matter what platform they're on, they want to know that why are there so many discrepancies with streaming? You know, one person might stream a million times and get $300. Another person might stream a million times and get $3,000. There's so many discrepancies, especially when you throw in different geography. Um, and so that was the biggest concern for most artists is creating that transparency. And so what we're doing is we're authenticating and authorizing, you know, uh, the content on the blockchain. So it's full transparency. And then the other aspect of it is the ability to actually pay our artists well, with smart contracts. So once it verifies that the uh, stream has been consumed, they automatically pay through smart contracts. Got it. I was going to ask that. So they're able to monetize, um, you know, a bit of their, their work or their performances and stuff like that. Exactly. These are all paid ticketed events. They have some free stuff on there. And then the other aspect, I mean, we were talking about NFTs even before NFTs, you know, before the NFT craze, because when you are in a virtual environment, when you're in a metaverse, uh, people are buying T-shirts, people are buying, you know, all kinds of uh, virtual goods. And now what we're doing is extending it into a, a NFT marketplace so that um, artists can create, you know, one of a kind T-shirts, whether it's with a CD cover or something that they've done uniquely. And, you know, I mean, almost every artist that we work with, um, music artist, also has a lot of content that they create on their own, like we did um you know, we did an interview with Ringo Starr and the type of paintings and everything that he has. So it's just such a natural uh, in terms of music and sports and, you know, with collectibles. And now we're just making it virtual and digital. Yeah. Is NFTs like a new like addition that you guys want to like leverage a bit? Because I mean, is it uh, for like physical goods and stuff like that? Or is it more like digital uh, collections and creations? It's both. Uh, okay. But primarily, you know, before we had the, we had our marketplace, which accepted Ethereum, Seek, and also other uh, tokens where you could, you know, purchase content on the blockchain. Uh, so it was pretty much uh, the whole concept of NFTs, but it was not, you know, in the form that a lot of people are used to consuming it today. So now we're just extending it to where it's, you know, your standard NFT and then, uh, people are able to collect royalties on it, you know, and then we even have venues where people can stake against it and earn rewards and stuff like that. So we were doing all those things. It's just that now we're going to put it on more places. We're going to put it in more uh, NFT platforms as well as, you know, make that available through our metaverse as well. What platforms uh, like OpenSea or um, some other ones that are more smaller and still growing? Uh, we're very open. So we'll put stuff on OpenSea, we'll put stuff on Rarible. We, we're uh, also talking to some, you know, we even have a partner that we're talking to. They're launching their blockchain in October. So we're very, very open. I mean, we have so much content that's unique, uh, that's generated by, you know, us or the artists on our platform. And so we just want to put it, make, you know, 
access to all this content as easy as possible. If I could sum everything that we do is just accessibility, making the metaverse accessible, making VR accessible, making streaming everything accessible. And so we want to make NFTs accessible as well. Got it. Yeah, NFTs is a very exciting space. Um, I'm, I'm very excited what it can do for artists. Um, you know, everything from helping them monetize to giving them different ways to, um, you know, share things with their audience and, and sell things and um, so many different avenues. Do you guys have a, do you have a token that you reward people with or? We do. We do. So we have this token, uh, which, you know, we reward the community with. Um, we also have it where people can stake some of the seek tokens against some of our venues, which all exists today. And so basically they'll be able to earn rewards every time those particular venues that they're staking against are used. So Lady Gaga has a concert inside of an arena. If you know you stake against that particular venue, then you're able to earn rewards on that. Um, and you know, yeah, and they can earn uh, seek or other types of rewards. Got it. Got it. Can they just exchange that seek for for dollars or cash or um, into another crypto or how do they um, convert that? Yeah. So our coin is our seek token is Ethereum based. So it's an ERC20 okay. token. Um, and so they can convert it to ETH. And then more recently, we are moving from an ERC20 token. We're moving to Binance Smart Chain. So because it's just so much more easy for us to scale what we're doing. Um, and so they can have the, you know, the BEP21 or they could just use the ERC20 token. So super, super easy if, you know, they want to take it elsewhere. Okay. Got it. Makes sense. Let me ask you a more uh, philosophical question. Um, what, do you, what do you think about the future of VR? You're obviously doing a lot in the space and helping grow it and create more avenues for people to use it and people, places to go and things to do. Um, you know, over the next 10 years, how much do you think VR is going to grow? It's been very slow, but it's also very exciting. Yeah, it's, um, you know, a trend that we're seeing that I think we're going to see more of. Um, while people are using the VR headsets, a lot of people also use, you know, for example, with our app without the VR headset. And people like the idea of being in the shared space, being able to walk around, see other people walk around um, with or without the VR headset. You know, we have things like, you know, the uh, light field projections that are coming for VR where people can have this object permanence so I could project my a museum like right into my living room and all of a sudden I'm in a totally different space. And I think that's where things are going, right? Because people want to be able to see their NFTs. People want to be able to see the digital art and all these lives that we're creating virtually, people actually now want to bring it into the real world. And I think that that's really the future of VR. It's not going to be as much uh, putting on a VR headset and you know being closed off from the world, but rather being able to project the virtual world that you've created into the physical world and have other people come in there, you know, virtually and physically and, uh, and share that world with you. So it kind of, it's a blending of the two and, uh, and, and that's where VR is going. Does that kind of cross into like augmented reality as well? Like being able to take, you know, some of that stuff in the virtual world you create and then project it into the real world a little bit and be able to see it like physically without having to get locked into a headset. 
Exactly. It, it is augmented reality in a way. It's just okay. that it's like augmented reality to the nth power in the sense that, you know, I, I want to replace my entire environment, right? We have these light field projections, the projectors are going to be powerful enough to where it replaces the whole environment. So it is really AR if, you know, if you ask me because it's additive to the environment, but it's also VR in the sense that it replaces the full environment. What do you prefer? Do you prefer personally augmented reality or virtual reality? Um, I, I like both. And we're seeing, you know, we've seen the two merge. And I think that it's really going to take off in a big way when we can merge the two. Because how cool is it that, you know, I could go to a sports game and, and the sports game is projected into my space. And so I'm sitting next to someone who's in Japan or in Korea, uh, but we're watching the same game and we're interfacing, right? To my left might be an avatar, to my left, you know, might be a real person, but everybody's interfacing. And, you know, think about what that's going to do for conferencing and everything that we're doing. So, I mean, I like both. I like XR, you know, which is really just uh, a mix of the two. Yeah, I like both as well. I've had some of the best conversations actually in virtual reality because um, mm -hmm. you're so locked in and focused on where you are um, and yeah. whoever's in front of you. you it's um, you get less distracted. I don't know what it is, but I've had awesome yeah. conversations. It is. It is. And what I find with VR, too, and a lot of people talk about this, is people have this sense of withdrawal when they come out of the space. It's kind of like, it just feels like you're teleported truly to some other place and you're in that environment, whether it's, you know, in some kind of Zen garden or mm -hmm. at a concert or whatever it is, you know, even, even like people that are doing conferences, business conferences are saying, wow, it's, it's a whole different feeling. Like when you come out of it. Oh yeah. It's a completely different feeling. Um, you know, being able to have business meetings, go to conferences and venues and stuff like that. It's the engaging part of it is, is really nice. Um, yeah. Let me ask you another question on on blockchain. Since you kind of help pioneering it for um, entertainment in a lot of ways, and, and live streaming, and, and artists, and uh, even in the sports industry and stuff like that, mm -hmm. um, and everyone knows at this point that blockchain has all kinds of far-reaching potential for different industries. Um, but looking at entertainment specifically and what you do, how far do you think blockchain can go, and how helpful do you think it can be? I think the future of entertainment, uh, the future of music, particularly, is you know, on the blockchain, because when you look at the way we do things in the music industry today is very inefficient, right? It, it works be in a way for some people because we're still able to access a certain percent of the revenue for some artists, but not for all artists. Um, and so having the ability to directly monetize your content and then also know exactly when it's monetized and not having to wait so long because you know, you're waiting on these contracts and this person has to get this, but we're, we're replacing all that with smart contracts. So the minute the action happens, you know, the user initiates uh, the use of that content, you get paid. So it, the cycle becomes so much shorter, which means that artists can build more sustainable careers that way. And then also when you look at the area of publishing, Today, let's say you have a piece of music that, you know, has five or six people that own the publishing to it. If a content creator wants to use that piece of music, you have to try and find all those six people, you know, uh, which is a very, very difficult thing to do. But now by putting all that on the blockchain and having to where you fractionalize 
all of it, and then all everything is being administered with a smart contract, it just makes it so much more efficient and people can continue to earn for their work. And then it just takes all the roadblocks out of the way. And I think that that's what we're going to see because the role of labels are changing. When you look at uh, the music marketplace, particularly uh, with the international market, because you have these massive artists that are not signed to any labels, they have you know, tens of millions of followers and they can decide what they want to do with those fans. The only thing that's standing between them and those fans is a platform you know, that will allow them to be able to directly monetize, which up until Seek did not exist. So you put that platform in front of them, you put that bridge in front of them where they can get to their fans, they don't need a label. And so what the label now has to do is come in as the artist puts up some of their music as NFTs to be able to own parts of it. So they go from control to ownership and it becomes more of a collaborative way for the music to be made and distributed versus just signing all the rights and the artist has no say. And then, you know, they can't monetize directly with their fans. So blockchain is the future of entertainment, uh, particularly music. That's what I see. I agree. And it takes like the whole idea of an independent artist, like a whole different level. Um, There's so many, you know, negative stories about record labels, not having good track record and, you know, artists, um, you know, getting too locked into it, not having control over their, their work or their IP or anything like that, or their royalties. Um, So there's so many opportunities um, for blockchain to, to help there. I'm sure you agree. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and I understand, you know, both the label side and the artist side, but definitely, Mm -hmm. I think blockchain will help bring that balance that we need in the music industry and give the control back to artists. Um, it, it's not going to remove the label because the label is a very important aspect, but the label is going to play a completely different role. Um, and the artists will be back in charge, especially the ones that can build you know, their, their fans. Yeah, it'll be good for labels too. Um, using smart mm-hmm. contracts and DAOs and things like that will definitely help bring a little bit more transparency between exactly. artists and labels. And I think it'll benefit them both. Um, in the long run. Exactly. Exactly. Let me ask you uh, one final question. Um, I wanted to ask about how women can get more involved in in crypto and blockchain in this industry. Um, And I know so many of them that are so passionate about it and that are um, contributing so much. And for some reason, they don't always get enough limelight for it or they have, I feel that maybe they have to work a little bit harder. Um, but there, every time I need help on something in blockchain, it's always a woman. She's always the first one to do it. Um, and I, even the other day I was asking for some, some graphics help and some design stuff or some NFTs. And I got like 30 responses, like five are men, 25 are women. Oh, nice. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for women to do more in this space too. Um, and I want to get your opinion on that. How do you think women can get more involved? Um, I think just, you know, um, just putting yourself out there, you know, putting yourself out there. Um, I feel like especially the blockchain space is more welcoming than some place, some other places, you know, um, and I think that there is more of an opportunity to find like-minded people that want to change and transform the world um, that really care about, you know, that value different things other than, 
you know, just gender or this one or that one. Um, and so it's a place to just put yourself out there, you know, and if you're a graphic designer, for example, uh, put stuff on all the different NFT platforms, find different groups that you can be a part of. Um, and it, it's not always easy, but I find that it's it's way more welcoming than I found Silicon Valley to be, for example. Um, and reach out to other women that are doing, you know, similar things. And um, and then also, you know, it's a give and take. So make sure I buy a lot of tokens. You know, when I find uh, good projects, I just go and, you know, buy some token. Um, and, and so make sure that you're also buying and supporting uh, tokens by, you know, by other women that are doing, you know, the kind of things that you believe in. Um, and I think that as we see more of that, then it just, you know, it's just going to allow more doors to open and for more of us to come in. Awesome. Good advice. Out. Yeah. I'm, I'm very open, you know, for people to reach out to me if I, you know, if I don't have the time, I'll definitely direct you to, you know, somebody else that can help. What's the best way for them to reach out to you? On all my socials. So, uh, LinkedIn, on, I'm on Telegram, um, and uh, yeah, so on, on different socials, Twitter. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, if people want to learn more about Seek and follow and keep up, where, where should they go? Seek.io is a great place to go. Seek.io uh, is a great place to go. They can also check out the app on uh, seek.com. And then oh. if they want to read more about the token, they can check it out on CMC, of course. Okay, perfect. Um, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Covered a lot of stuff. Mary, thank you for coming on the podcast and taking the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Hopefully one of these days we'll uh, do it in VR with the projections and, you know, we'll be sitting in the same room virtually. I have thought about that before. I've wanted to do the podcast in VR. It's still a little difficult to figure that out, but at some point, I, I promise you, I'm going to do that. Yeah, one of these days. Okay, Mary, have a great day. Talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.